five, four, three, two, one, ignition. We have liftoff. Hello world, welcome once again to the Sunday Frog Box. It is the 15th of April 2018, it is show 47, and we have a very special guest with us this week. Joyce is with us, my mother, hello there. Hello everybody. And what's the special occasion we're talking about? Well, I was 85 last Thursday. How old are you now? 85, ah, 85, splendid. 85. 85, well that's <laughs> a splendid achievement in this day and age. Okay, well, I mean, so this show, it's, 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 it's Joyce's birthday special show, so she's responsible for choosing all the music, and uh, hopefully we're going to learn a bit more about her life. <laughs> How would that be? Let's find out. Well, we started with uh, something which was a hit in the year you were born. 1933. A year in which, well, before they, they had a working jet engine, they hadn't invented radar, Mm. I mean, this is a long time ago. They'd invented hardly anything. And diseases had interesting <laughs> names like distemper and dropsy. <laughs> it was a long time ago, boys and girls, <laughs> way back near the beginning of the 20th century. Cool. It does seem like a long time ago, doesn't it? It was a long time ago. Well, this, uh, this hit, now you, you won't remember it from that time because you were a little baby. I was a little baby. But this hit uh, was a hit for several different people through that year. It was, it was a big hit. Um, it was a hit for, ooh, it was written by Harry Revel. It was a, a hit for Guy Lombardo, Bing Crosby. Everyone's rushing to cover this. The version you've picked is by Al Bowley and uh, Ray Noble's orchestra. Yeah, well, he, he was a very, very famous singer of the time. I mean, he was the, the singer. So would you, uh, as a child, obviously later on, would you be aware of stuff like that? Oh, yes, I would. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we, we, look, we listened to a lot of radio, of course, in those days. There wasn't any television. No. Do you have a record player? <laughs> yes. One that wound up, mm. <laughs> um, in the, you know, in those days. Um, but we, we listened to an awful lot of radio. Mm. Well, this would have been on the radio quite a lot of the year you were born. Mm-hmm. Al Bowley, have you ever... Well, actually, it's Did You Ever See a Dream Walking? Mm. I do. 
Well, the dream that was walking and the dream that was talking and the heaven in my arms was you. Jolly, it wasn't it? It was jolly. It, that sort of thing reminds me of old Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yes. <laughs> it's that sort of feel but it's, to it. it's nice, easy listening. It is easy listening. Mm. Yes, yes. Well, I tell you what, uh, you have come up with some contest voices for oh, us. Have, have you not? Not one, not two, but three, three. contest voices. Shall I tell you about them? Tell us something about them. Well, these voices are the three actors mm. who have played the same role during the eight year run of a West End musical. Obviously, during that eight years, not all at the same time. Interesting. <laughs> ah, so that's all you're going to say? Yes, that's all I'm going to say. More clues later, Well, this, this may be a hard one, usual suspects. So we'll, we'll hear all these three gentlemen, one after the other. So here's the first one. Uh, I hope that uh, they'll have the same flavour. Certainly I'm looking forward to it because they were the most enjoyable films to make. Mm-hmm. And the second one? A self-deluding man, because he'd been... A mere captain in the army during the war. And finally... He laboured through the night, and by dawn had got farther than he'd ever hoped. So we're saying all three of those gentlemen played the same character... They did. ...in a West End musical. That's correct. During the, are we going to say, late 80s? Late 80s, yes. Okay. 80s to 90s. And are any of these gentlemen still extant? No, unfortunately, all of them are no longer so, with us, very sadly. It is sad, but that is a clue. So they're all they're all no longer with us, and they were all playing the same character, not at the same time, in a West End musical. More on that later. If you'd like to contact us with your guesses or with anything, you may do that by texting the studio on 011-385-90690, starting your text with FXR. Or you may email studio at uk. Or come onto the Facebook and look up the page Sunday Frogbox, and there you may message us. Okay, well that's cool. Let's do something else now. You've you've uh, <laughs> you've given us uh, this song, which apparently was one of the, one of your early performances. It was indeed. My mother, at the beginning of the war, joined the British Legion concert party, and of course, all the children you know came into the concerts as well. And this was my one of my first stage performances, um, singing "Run Rabbit Run." 
And oh. this version is by Flanagan and Allen. At least one of whom could sing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, let's hear that. This, is, this, will, this sort of sound will be familiar to you. This is the, the classic version of Run, Rabbit, Run, so Flanagan and Allen. Friday on the farm is rabbit pie day. So every Friday that ever comes along, I get up early and sing this little song. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. singing that yes so would you someone play on the piano oh yes 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 Yes, that was it was great fun doing it and it was the first time i'd actually been on a stage to do anything really Mm. so i mean at that age what did you think about you know singing and performance oh i enjoyed it very much Mm. i mean later on in the program there's going to be the another one which i sang when i was even younger oh my goodness (laughs) what a prodigy well, let's get classical, classical, let's get into <laughs> classical. And uh, well, I picked uh, a BBC Symphony Orchestra version 
uh, which I noticed I spelt wrong on the running order here, of uh, Lohengrin Act Three Prelude. So what what, uh, what makes you choose this? Well, particular... this was the first piece of classical music that really sort of thrilled me. Um, my father had a, we used to go up for rides in the car on a Sunday, perhaps afternoon, and in those days, not many cars had a radio in, but mm. ours did. And um, we had the radio on, and I heard this piece of music, and I thought, that's absolutely super. <laughs> and that's what really sort of fired me up for classical music in the first place. Those little days when uh, when you, one would go out just for a drive in the car. Well, that's right. And you would stop every so often and there'd be a sort of a man pedalling along on a bicycle with ice creams in the front. <laughs> stop me and buy one, Wall's ice cream. And we always used to stop for an ice cream. How wonderful. It was wonderful. It's, different, it's a different, different time, different yeah. world. Yes. All right, well, let's play this, as I say, BBC Symphony Orchestra, so a very good version. Uh, this isn't the full thing because it does go on a bit. It goes on a bit, but, yes. Uh, Let's see what you think. This is by Wagner, of course. Of course, did little pom. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wagner of Germany.
Oh, calm down, Mr. Wagner. Oh, it's lovely, though. It is good, isn't it? It's a stirring yes, tune. Yes, it was. It, was, it really, really fired me with enthusiasm. Where would you have heard that, then? Oh, that was on the, ra- on on the, the radio. radio. In the yeah. car, yes. It sounded a little bit scratchy on the radio. Yeah. Well, yes, I mean, the radios in those days weren't as good as they are now. So did you, as a child, were you ever taken to an actual concert? In a, no, a, not no? really, because most of my sort of early childhood was during the war, and there wasn't, of course. wasn't a lot going on. Mm. Um, mm. You know, but my parents weren't, weren't into classical music. No. Oh, right. So you what know. did your parents like to listen to then? Well, the, at the old bowlies <laughs> <laughs> and this sort of thing. Of course, some of the radio programmes during the war, there was one called Itmar. It's mm. that man again, Tommy oh, yes. Handley, and um, that sort of thing. And, uh, mm. We used to go to the cinema quite a lot as well. Mm. How much was that? I can't remember <laughs> now. Did you get more than one film, didn't you, as well? Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, those are the days. Yeah, it, it was good. I mean, that, that's what you did, you see, during the, during the mm-hmm. war. It was, there was no television, obviously, or anything. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to come forward in time a little uh, into, well, I suppose... The, the late 50s. Late 50s. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hear What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Now, um, oh, hang on. No, wait a minute. I've, uh, I've, I've jumped you forward. Jumped. I have jumped forward, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Look on your face there. <laughs> You'll realise that uh, things don't always go as written on this show, but uh, <clears throat> no, we're jumping forward to the, uh, to the late 50s, and a song which perhaps um, my, my 15-year-old daughter would, would frown at, um, Seven Little Girls Sitting in the Back Seat. Now, what's the story behind this? Well, it's, it's a jolly little song that, again, came on the radio, um, it's by a group called, well, I used to call them groups, I think, in those days, mm. rather than bands. Yes, Paul Evans and the Curls. The Curls. Um, and I think it's just a jolly little song. Yes, I'm sure that Annabelle will have a different view uh, <laughs> if she were here, but we'll play it now. Seven little girls sitting in the back seat hugging and kissing with Fred. I said, why don't one of you come up and sit beside me? And this is what the seven girls said. All together now, one, two, three. Keep your mind on your driving, keep your hands on the wheel. Keep your snoopy eyes on the road ahead. We're having fun, sitting in the back seat, kissing and hugging with Fred. Showed him how a motor could go I said, how do you like my triple carburetor And one of them whispered low All together now, one, two, three Keep your mind on your drive and keep your hands on the wheel Keep your snoopy eyes on the road ahead We're having fun, sitting in the backseat Kissing and hugging with Fred Keep your mind on your driving, keep your hands on the wheel Keep your snoopy eyes on the road ahead We're having fun, sitting in the backseat Kissing and hugging with Fred 
that I could be like Fred. Yes, I've never worked out what they were they're singing about his eyes there, but they're the Snoopy eyes. Keep your Snoopy eyes on the road ahead. Right, he's probably looking over his shoulder to see what was going on in well, the back. Uh, <laughs> unsafe for driving. And uh, I think, yes, he does need to work on his line. Uh, how do you like my triple carburetor? That's never yes, going to interest so. anyone, is it? Mm, mm, but uh, I see a big car. Mm. Room for eight people in the back. Yeah. Uh, no one in the front, so... Yeah. So yes. Okay. So y- you heard that on the radio. You liked that as a as, yes, a, as a young person. As a young younger person. Well, a younger person. Yes. Because yes, I suppose I suppose you. How old were you in 1959 when that came out? In 1959, I would have been 26. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Thank you. Well, uh, let's remind ourselves who we are. Felix Stowe Radio 107.5 FM. Yep, that's us. Much more music. Well, let us return to the contest of voices. And uh, we have one one correct voice guess already from one person and nothing else from anyone else. So uh, perhaps we'll give a second clue in a minute. So here are the three voices again. Uh, I hope that uh, they'll have the same flavour. Certainly I'm looking forward to it because they were the most enjoyable films to make. A self-deluding man, because he'd been... A mere captain in the army during the war. He laboured through the night and by dawn had got farther than he'd ever hoped. Hmm. So, I think, as I said to you earlier, if those three had been in a single uh, show mm-hmm. or at film the time, at yes. the same time, it could have been called Carry On Being Served, Dear Father. A let's, very good clue. Let's say no more than that. So keep uh, keep thinking, keep uh, talking to us, if indeed any of you are. Uh, well, I mean, Ali is. Thank you, Ali, for reminding us that we're alive. But uh, you can email us, studio at felix.radio.org.uk, or text 01138590690, starting your text with FXR. And that should come through to us here. Or we're on Facebook, lurking behind the scenes like Mark Zuckerberg, writing down all your details. No, no, we're not doing that. Okay, well, uh, we are going to uh, play something which uh, I believe... Now, you mentioned this before. I think this was the first record you bought. This was the first uh, recording I ever bought. I mean, after getting over the sort of Wagner bit, um, I then sort of went into the Romantic composers. Uh Black Malinoff is one of my favourites. Russian again. And (laughs) and I I was given a a record player for my birthday by my dad, and this was the first recording that I got. But, of course, it was on shellac. So for a whole concerto, it was about eight records. Mm. And I can still remember now when I listened to this being played at a concert, <laughs> I can remember exactly where I had to turn the records over. So was it just right in the middle of a... Was it right in the middle of... Yes, didn't yes, yes. Isn't there, there didn't wait for a quiet bit. That's right. right. I mean, there were 78s, you see. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until the long players came in, you got a whole concerto on one record. On one record. <laughs> But this is this is absolutely beautiful piece mm. of music. Also, I said we used to go to the films a lot during the war, mm. and of course one of the the films was Brief Encounter. Oh yes. And this particular piece of music was used as the theme music, and it's absolutely wonderful. Now I think the version used in Brief Encounter was actually played by Rachmaninoff himself. I'm not sure. Possibly, but he certainly there are certainly are recordings of Rachmaninoff playing it. There are recordings it. of him playing. I haven't selected one of those. I've selected uh, an Arthur Rubinstein. Mm. Brilliant uh, version, very good recording. Um, and again, it's 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 very long. It's it's ten minutes long, so we will probably have to fade before, <laughs> before the end. But uh, 
we'll go there. Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto number two.
Sadly, we must leave Mr. Rachmaninoff and his concerto behind. Um, for those who have tuned in and think we might have strayed onto Classic FM, no, <laughs> this is Felix Day Radio. And we are just doing the birthday special for my mum, Joyce, who was 85 earlier this week. Well, what have we got next? Well, this is a, a sort of a, con- a contrast to the previous one. Um, we're going to play What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. So what do you, uh, what's your connection with this? Well, the early 90s, um, my a dear friend um, down at Herringate near Brentwood in Essex had got a theatre school and her, her musical director left and she invited me to be her musical director. Mm. And we did several absolutely brilliant shows together at the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch, uh, which we put together. And uh, we did, for example, music of the movies, um, we did uh, um, Sullivan to Sondheim, and we did one called What a Wonderful World, which told the story of an alien coming from outer space oh. and taking him round the country and showing you all that. sorts of different things yes. and so we sang what a wonderful world right at the end of the show mm. but i think the version we've got is louis armstrong i, I mean this is my favorite version of this mm. song Beautiful. um uh, is he a great singer no no but, but it, it's just what the song needs it's, it's got it's, soul it's just somehow just just perfect for this song mm. so uh we'll hear that I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying how they do. They're really saying I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They're like much more. the first times I came across that was uh, when it was playing at the end of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yes. Uh, the radio yes. show, the mm-hmm. original radio show. It mm-hmm. just finished with that, it, with um, Arthur and Ford Prefects stranded on a prehistoric earth, and it just uh, <laughs> just ended with that, which is very nice. Hmm. Yes, well done, Louis Armstrong. 
You and your satchel mouth. <laughs> I, I don't understand why they called him satchel mouth. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he, he played the trum- trumpet. Okay, but did his mouth resemble a satchel in any way? I don't yeah, think so. It was, it was shortened to satchmo, wasn't yes. it? Yes, mm. yes. Don't but know it, about it's that. A, it's a lovely song. I, hmm. I think the sentiment in it is, is great. Yes. Yeah, it is. Well, it's now time for our regular feature. A cappella corner, that corner of the radio reserved for music without instruments. <laughs> and what have you selected for us, Mother? Well, this one I, I've selected because um, before you were born, um, your dad uh, used to play cricket on a Sunday afternoon and I used to go along and I became the official scorer. And I've chosen this one because it's the London Quartet mm. um, singing, right, like a, a Church of England psalm, mm. it's singing the rules of cricket. Well, you say that, they're not really the rules of cricket, are they? They're not really, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I it's like addendum. it. So I think what this actually was is something that was written by W.G. Grace. Yes, and they, they, for put fun. It, they put it to a psalm. Yeah, I think it was. Mm. Yeah, uh, so W.G. Grace, well-known uh, cricketer. I yes. think wrote these, this uh, spoof addendum to the MCC cricket rules for yes. fun. And then for further fun, the London Quartet have put it to a, a psalm format. So we'll hear that now. Addendum to the laws of cricket, as written by the MCC. 2000 code, second edition 2003. With more than 100 nations now playing a wonderful game of cricket. It is necessary to write specific rules for certain territories. These rules must be taken with all due seriousness, honor, gentility, and a pinch of salt. The first MCC tour took place to the United States of America in 1859. Nevertheless, they are still hopeless at the sport. Ha, 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 ha. France, despite being silver medal holders of the Olympic cricket title, have little to be proud of either. No suggestion shall be heeded from America as to how to liven up the game. Things perhaps have gone far enough already. We are now playing at night to pipe music in pajamas with dancing girls, white balls, no, scrub that, pink calls. That reminds me, I must go and wash my box. My beloved spake and said unto me, Oh, you, you're going to the cricket again. Me and the kids, we never see you. In Europe, it is important that each side respect one another's territory. Occupation of the crease will not be achieved by the laying down of towels, even in the morning session. And remember to polish the bat, not pat the polish. The cut will be the most effective stroke in the Middle East. Notably, some of the English teams shall be half cut. If, at the behest of the captain, any player should bowl repeated nobles. The umpires shall have the power to empty their pockets of their bundles of cash. W.G. Grace. 
Ah, I saw you chuckling away (laughs) during that. Okay. Felix Stowe Radio, 107.5 FM. The next thing is a song I remember that you subjected me to when I was a child. (laughs) Um, Val Dunican, a well-known jumper-wearing, rocking-chair-riding Irishman (laughs) who used to sing gentle songs for our amusement. And what is this particular song? Well, this is the one that I sang when I was about between five and six years old ah. because my parents had a caravan at Backton on the Norfolk coast. Oh. We used to go there every summer for our holidays and there used to be a campus club room and people would gather there on the Saturday night and anybody who wanted to do a turn could do one. And my mum had taught me this <laughs> song, um, not, not the whole of this that you're going to hear now, but she taught me this song. Um, and plonked me up on the table, and I, I got sixpence for singing Paddy Paginti's so How did you feel about it? Do you remember how you felt at the age of five or six? Oh, I loved it. You know, I had a proper little show-off. <laughs> yes, you weren't, you weren't self-conscious at all. I don't think so, no. no. I, mm. I was, you know. It's interesting, because Annabelle, uh, she, she was, I mean, she was very much like that mm. at an earlier age, like mm. two or three, she loved being on stage, but then she got a bit self-conscious. Yes, at at the age of five or six. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. So, all right, we'll hear that. We'll hear Mr. Dunican uh, singing his... <laughs> actually written by American. It was, uh, but it actually it was written in, in the First World War, actually, mm. and it had some um, things in about the Kaiser. Ah. Two of the verses are not in here. That was the ones that I sang. Ah. We put Hitler in instead of the Kaiser. I see. Well, perhaps you can render those for us afterwards. Okay. Well, let's hear Mr. Dunican first. Paddy McGinty's Goat. Now Patrick McGinty, an Irishman of note, fell in for a fortune and he bought himself a goat. Says he, sure of goat's milk, I'm going to have me fill. But when he brought the nanny home, he found it was a bill. All the young ladies who live in Killaloo, they're all wearing bustles like their mothers used to do. They each wear a bolster beneath their petticoat and leave the rest to Providence and Paddy McGinty's goat. Mrs. Burke to her daughter said, Listen, Mary Jane, who was the lad you were cuddling in the lane? He'd long, wiry whiskers a-hanging from his chin. Twas only Pat McGinty's goat, she answered with a grin. Then she went away from the village in disgrace. She came back with powder and paint upon her face. She'd rings on her fingers and she wore a sable coat. You bet your life she didn't get those from Paddy McGinty's goat. McCarthy, the knot was going to tie. She washed out her trousseau when she hung it out to dry. Along came the goat and he saw the bits of white and chewed a ball or fall the rolls upon her wedding night. Oh, turn out the light quick, she shouted out to Pat. For though I'm your bride, sure I'm not worth looking at. I had two of everything I told you when I wrote. But now I've won and nothing all through Paddy McGinty's goat. Mickey Riley, he went to the races the other day. He won twenty dollars and he shouted hip array. He held up the note, shouting, look at what I've got. The goat came up and grabbed it, didn't he swallowed up the lot. He's eaten me banknotes, says Mickey with a hump. They went for the doctor and they got a stomach pump. They pumped and they pumped for the twenty dollar note. But all they got was ninepence out of Paddy McGinty's goat. 
old Paddy's goat had a wondrous appetite And one day for breakfast he had some dynamite A big box of matches he swallowed all serene Then out he went and swallowed up a quarter paraffin He sat by the fireside, he didn't give a hang He swallowed a spark and exploded with a bang So if you go to heaven, you can bet a dollar note that the angel with the whiskers on his Paddy McGinty's gold. <laughs> well, some of those were rather risque it for a five-year-old to be singing. Oh, no, I didn't sing that. Oh, I sang I the last verse about <laughs> him blowing up, but the other yeah. two verses were about about the war. How did they go then? Well, the first one goes, um, on the west coast of Ireland, one morning to be seen, as plain as a pike staff, a German submarine. The coast guard Maloney fell over in a fit. Said Paddy McGinty's goat, it's up to me to do me bit. He dived into the water as frisky as a whale. He swam around the U-boat and wagged his little tail. Then he up with his horns and he stuck them in the boat. He sent the Huns to Heligoland to Paddy McGinty's goat. Oh, the brave Irish guards thought this a great romance. They took for a mascot the goat and went to France. The first day they got there, he heard the bugle blow. So he ducked his little cranium and went to meet the foe. The enemy retreated and hurriedly they fled. They all held their noses and toppled over dead. Ah, said old Hitler, this poisonous gas afloat. But it was only the dirty, stinking feet of Paddy McGinty's goat. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> So did you, as a five-year-old, did you have the Irish accent? Probably well? not. <laughs> Probably not. Dear, I bet they went down a storm. Oh, it did. They? As I say, I got a whole sixpence. Sixpence. A whole sixpence. Well, could you buy a sixpence in those days? Well, you could buy about four loaves of bread for one. <laughs> Where, really? For sixpence, you'd buy about four loaves of bread, yes. Four loaves of bread for yeah, sixpence. For sixpence. So yeah. that'd be about four quid today, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Four, five. Got five for singing Paddy McGinty's Goat. And the other, I remember that. I also remember Delaney's Donkeys, the other one. Oh, yes. I didn't used Delaney to sing Delaney had donkeys donkey, for yes. every same Miller. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, great. Oh, well done. Yeah, Val Dunican. Marvellous. All right, well... Um, now let's move along to the world of movies. <clears throat> Something from Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly from High, High Society. Society. Yes. And uh, it's True Love. So what's your Well, Well, this, this film came out when, we, when your dad and I were about to get married. Mm-hmm. And we actually danced our first dance uh, at our wedding reception to this song, which oh. is True Love. Suntan wind blown, honeymooners at last alone, feeling far above par. Oh, how lucky we are! While I give to you. And you give to me True love True love So on and on It'll always be True love True love For you Have a guardian angel on high 
with nothing to do But to give to you And to give to me Love forever For you and I have a guardian angel on high with nothing to do but to give to you and to give to me love. Lovely warm sound. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. So, yes, that must have taken you back. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> 60 years. 60 years this year. My goodness me. Well, so you have <clears throat> very kindly deferred to the conventions of the show mm-hmm. in selecting music. You have selected not only an a cappella song, but a, a They Might Be Giant song. Absolutely. Now, how, how did you select this one? And uh, what's it? Tell, well, us, tell us about it. My father was into local politics. In fact, he was was the mayor of Havering at one point. Um, and um, as a teenager, I mean, I sort of be folding up election dresses and going sticking things through doors when he was up for election. Mm. So I've chosen a sort of electoral one, and it's called the Shadow Government. You can usually find a They Might Be Giant song about almost any subject. Well, absolutely. So, okay, well, I didn't know this one uh, beforehand, so you, you think you've taught me something.
Well, that's woken us up. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. I've still got no idea what, what they're thinking. I, I can't get inside their heads at all, but uh, I, do like, uh, I do like their songs. Well, now then, I think we're going to another show, aren't we? New Moon? Well, yes, it's called The New Moon. I mean, I, I, after sort of really enjoying drama when I was at school, um, I was in my local church drama group, mm. and then I saw an advert in the paper that the local operatic society were looking for new members. I thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and joined them, and within the little back row of the chorus uh, for The New Moon. And this one is a song from that, and it's called Stout-Hearted Men. Yes, now, I, now you, you, you recommended the one from the film, but I've selected this one, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, it's a, it's a chorus of stout-hearted uh, young men good. from uh, Herbert W. Armstrong College, uh, Young Ambassadors. Now, Herbert W. Armstrong, to be honest, I've just looked him up. He's a bit of a religious nutcase. <laughs> but it uh, doesn't mean to say that his college doesn't produce good singers. So we'll hear stout-hearted men from these uh, young ambassadors of Herbert Armstrong College. You who have dreams, if you act, they will come true. Would you turn your dreams to a fact? It's up to you. Have the soul and the spirit Never fear it, you'll see it through Hearts can inspire Other hearts with their fire For the strong obey When a strong hand shows them the way Give me some men who are stout-hearted men will fight for the right they adore. Start me with ten who are stout-hearted men, and I'll soon give you ten thousand more. Oh, shoulder to shoulder and bolder and bolder they grow as they go to the fore. Then there's nothing in the world can halt or mar our plan. Yay. <laughs> well done, you. That was jolly, wasn't it? It was jolly, yes. Lots of fist-pumping yes, action absolutely. there. Marvellous. Yes. Yeah. Well, one thing that used to uh, sort of define Christmas for me as a, uh, growing up as a youngster was your Christmas concerts that oh, you yes. used to do yes. at well, the YMCA. Well, well, many, many years later, I actually became the musical director of the Operatic Society. Yes. And a previous musical director had started doing Christmas concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always used... This, this was actually my suggestion for the first Christmas concert, although I wasn't then the conductor. And it's the Gloria and Excelsis Deo. And every year, 
year we used to start with this and we always used to be the second weekend in December and people used to say that it started Christmas off for them. Well, I, mean, I, I felt that. Uh, did, this is very much the sound of, of Christmas starting. Mm. And this actually is a recording of our Christmas concert. Ah, so now who does this involve? You brought together the choir? Well, the, the choir, I used to have 60 in the choir because mm. we augmented it by people who weren't in the operatic society. I had a 28-piece orchestra and also we had the Romford Band. Uh-huh. And the first one, we, everybody sang. So this mm. was the very first piece the first thing they'd heard, the, 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 it was in this massive sports hall, massive wasn't it? Massive sports hall, it seated 600 people. Acoustic, you don't quite get, the, the recording has suffered a little bit over the mm. years, you don't quite get the, the effect of it, but it was, it was a really bright, loud sound. So uh, let's hear that. It's Gloria and Excelsis Deo, who's it by? Uh, Walton. Walton, Okay. <laughs> FM and online at felixstowradio.org.uk in association with the Orwell Hotel. This is Felixstowe Radio. Sunday Frog Box with Andy Kimber on Felixstowe Radio. 107.5 FM. There's much, much more. Yeah, as I say, the the, uh, the recording suffered a bit, but uh, that, that that sort of dying note oh. there used to reverberate it around did. the room. Yes. It was, uh, that was great. It was really yeah, you, we used to go, then go straight into God Save the Queen. Mm. Oh. I remember that in later years. I, I was in that concert. Oh, you were, indeed. You, you were foolish enough to give me a solo yes. <laughs> in one voice yes. by Barry Manilow. That's it. Which was uh, not, not my finest moment, I don't think. But anyway, that was great. Yes, you still enjoy those concerts. Very yes. good. Okay. Well, we started off doing one concert mm. by the time we'd finished we were doing it for three nights friday saturday and sunday mm. full house 600 every night yeah mm. popular do they still do a concert there no, yeah, i don't no. think so no. no they didn't once you left there was no point in carrying on <laughs> no that was, that was definitely a thing it was a great thing and it was the operatic society choir mm-hmm. and the orchestra yes. and the romford band was a brass band that that's used right to join in. yes mm. yes Yes, the thing I remember about the Romford band was the band leader borrowed my swanny whistle and broke it. Oh dear, I don't, I didn't. I don't remember, remember that. I had a really no, nice, a really nice Acme swanny whistle. No, I don't. He remember. borrowed it, he broke it, and he bought me a cheap one to replace it. I've never oh. forgiven him. Oh. <laughs> never forgiven him. Never mind, dear. No, yeah, I've somehow struggled on into adulthood, yes. unscarred by the swanny whistle <laughs> episode. Well, let's play our contest voices again, shall we? Um, yes, Ali's, uh, Ali's on a journey with this. She's, uh, she's identified two people who it could be who were in one of the things that the clue refers to. <laughs> and uh, she has also got the, another one of them. So Ali's got like one and a half. Well, she's got two, but she doesn't know which of the two she suggested is right. Um, but she hasn't got the first one yet. So, again, I'll, I'll give you the clue. In case you didn't hear earlier, these three are all... 
uh, actors, gentlemen actors, now sadly deceased, who played the same role in a West End musical in the late 80s. And uh, if they were in a show together, it would probably be called Carry On Being Served, Dear Father. So here they are again. I hope that uh, they'll have the same flavour. Certainly I'm looking forward to it because they were the most enjoyable films to make. A self-deluding man, because he'd been a mere captain in the army during the war. He laboured through the night and by dawn had got farther than he'd ever hoped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, haven't, we do have a, another clue for that, but if, if it's required later. But uh, keep those ideas Coming. In fact, start those ideas coming. <laughs> that would be great. All right, well, now you've, you've selected uh, perhaps a slightly strange choice for you, I would have thought. Take Five by Dave Brubeck. Yes. Wouldn't well, have well, you well, down well, as, a, as a jazz fan, really? Well, well no, no I, li- I, I like all sorts of music. Mm. I, I don't like just one kind of music. And this, of course, Take Five, was in 5-4 time. Okay, in five, four time. And I was then teaching, and I wanted to introduce a piece of classical music, which mm. was in five, four time. Oh. And as this was then very current, I thought it'd be a good way of sort of getting the, the teenagers so you're getting, <laughs> interested. So you getting down with the youth. Getting down with the youth, yes. Oh, and see. so this is Dave Brubeck's Take Five. Yes, the, yeah, the youth of today, listening to their Dave Brubecks <laughs> with their roll-neck jumpers and their coffees. Yes, well, let's play that. Let's play that. I haven't heard this for a while. So, uh, come on, Dave, let's hear it. Thank you. 
Dave Brubeck Quartet with the biggest selling jazz single of all time! <laughs> Take five. Mm. Which was written by Paul Desmond, the uh, the saxophonist, mm. who, it seems, disappeared in the middle of that. Yes. He must have gone to the loo. What did you think of the drumming? Gone drum- for a sandwich or something. Because you, you have been a drummer. I mean, what do you think yeah, of the drumming? Yeah, yeah. It, yes. like, it sounds like fun, actually. It sounds yes. like it's fun to do. Absolutely. You know, because all the different... It's not normal... Mm. And uh, yes, I th- yes, he was covering there. I mean, I, I dare say they meant to do that drum solo, but it did sound to me as though the saxophonist had gone to the toilet yeah. or, or gone for a cup or <laughs> yes. something. And just but came I, back I, at I, the that end. introduced <clears throat> the sort of the, the time one, two, three, four, yes. five, and so then I then did the one I really wanted them to listen to, which is another one of my favourite uh, composers, Tchaikovsky. Mm, no Russian. And it's uh, from his Symphony Number no. Six, and this is in five four. Time. Well, we have an excerpt from that. An excerpt, yes. Uh, I don't know whether I've. Found a bit that's in five four time uh, actually. Pom pom tiddly on pom 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 well, pom. Oh, we'll play it. We'll play it uh, and uh, see what you think. So this is your favourite symphony. Well, yes, it is. For your favourite composer. Hmm. Thank you. 
I think what's happening is we've got something from the wrong movement. Yes, I think it's the second movement. Yes. Well, never mind. If I'll... only you'd said the second movement. It goes tom pom tiddly om pom 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 pom. It goes what now? <laughs> tom tom tiddly om pom 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 pom. Tom pom tiddly pom om. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm quite all right to do that. I once saw Andre Previn taking a rehearsal and he did om pom tiddly om pom. So mm-hmm. Andre Previn can do it. So can I. Oh, mm. okay. Tom, Tom, Pom. That, pom that's the technical pom. term. That's it? definitely a technical term. Tom, Pom. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, we have one uh, completely correct answer, uh, and um, uh, Richard's still working on it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, we're definitely going to have a, a correct answer oh, that's from good. from someone. So perhaps we should. I mean, perhaps we should say. I think we should say at this point that uh, those three people you have kind of worked with or well worked with at least met i've worked with number one on that on that show that we had mentioned i've worked with number one Mm. i've worked with number three Mm -hmm. and i've met number two Mm. you met him on on his way out as you were on your way he was (laughs) uh, i'd gone into a rehearsal and was looking at the call board and he came up, very lovely gentleman, and mm. came up to me and said, oh, are you joining the show? And I said, Jason, well, I do hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a lovely time Aww, in the show. Nice. He was a charming man. Hmm. Well, I won't say what his name was. No, <laughs> well, we will say later. That, uh, so that, that's that joy to come. All right, well, now we're going to play some... We couldn't get through this show without doing some Gilbert and Sullivan. No. Well, certainly, I remember growing up, my my childhood was full of Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> used to do it all the time with the Operatic Society. Yes. And uh, this is one of... Well, probably the most popular Gilbert and Sullivan, the one that most people know, yes. Pirates of Penzance. Mm. Well, I, I got into Gilbert and Sullivan again during the war... The um, Civil Defence had an operatic society and we used to go mm-hmm. to see them. And the first Gilbert and Sullivan I saw um, was the Mikado. And, and I loved it. Hmm. Um, and, and later on, you know, in the operatic society, we used to do a Gilbert and Sullivan every so often. But the reason I've chosen this one mm-hmm. is not only that I like this show, mm-hmm. but also that you played this part, mm-hmm. which was the sergeant of police yes. when you were at Brentwood School. I did, I and did. And very, very good you were. I was, I was. <laughs> and I, I still remember the review I got in the Brentwood Gazette, word for word. Oh, tell us, tell us. But it was Andrew Kimber as the sergeant of police who stole the show, the fully capturing the audience with his lovelorn pursuit of every available maiden. Oh. Yep, that's roll my best, still my best review ever. Roll of drums. Yeah, I peaked early. I peaked too early, really. <laughs> so, yes, now... I think, and now I've picked the version I've picked. Now you recommended the Doily Cart, <sighs> Doily Cart Company, who whose virtue, if they have a virtue, is doing it exactly the way it was done yes. in Victorian times. Yes. Now my view is like Shakespeare. Um, when you were a Victorian, you went to see Gilbert and Sullivan. That's the funniest thing you could see anyway. It was hilarious in in the culture of the time. Mm. So I think it, it, you see, if you see a version that's been done later and made funnier for a modern audience, and so I've chosen the version from the film, the 1983 film, which I thought was very good, very funny. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. But they do the, the police. They, they've basically made them into Keystone Cops. Oh, right. But they're very funny. The dancing is, is superb, mm. and uh, Linda Ronstadt's in it, Kevin mm. Klein's in it. It's great. It's a great movie. So watch that, folks. If you haven't seen that, 1983 Pirates of Penzance with Kevin Klein and Linda Ronstadt's great. Um, but this is um, when a felon's not engaged in his employment, which is the sergeant's big song. But uh, this is not... This is the <laughs> 
You'll hear the birds. You can hear the. You can't see the dancing obviously because it's radio, but you'll be able to hear the sort of dancing that's going on during this. It's, I, I love this, so um, we'll play that now. And I think the song is being played by Tony. Oh, I've forgotten his name. I'm sorry, Tony. Uh, I'll come back to that. <laughs> this is perplexing, but no matter. Our course is clear. We must do our best to capture these pirates alone. It is most distressing to us to be the agents whereby our erring fellow creatures are deprived of that liberty which is so dear to us all. But we should have thought of that before we joined the force. We should. Well, too late now. When a felon's not engaged in his employment, his employment. or maturing his felonious little plans, his capacity for innocent enjoyment, enjoyment. is just as great as any honest man. Our feelings we with difficulty smother, when constabulary duties to be done, done. I'll take one consideration with another. Policeman's lot is not a happy one. Oh, when constabulary duties to be done, to be done, a policeman's lot is not a happy one. There's the very funny Tony Azito as the sergeant of police there. <laughs> and it, they miss out the second verse and they go straight into a rollicking band of pirates. We, and oh, it's yes. Funny, yes. funny, funny. Very good. Okay, so uh, I tell you what, uh, I'm going to plug uh, an event. In, uh, oh, do a plug an event. For the Deben Players Quiz Night, which takes place next Saturday at uh, Melton Parish Rooms in Melton. And it's uh, it's available for anyone. You can come along to that, and you can have a, some food if you'd like to buy a ticket for that. You can go onto the Demon Players website. Um, teams welcome. I warn you, if any professional teams out there hoping to parachute in and steal all the points, there will be a sort of local round. There'll be a Demon Players round just to, to keep the professionals from winning everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether, whether I should mention that uh, my quiz team won this, uh, the current title holders of this event. Oh, wonderful. Uh, we won it last year. Uh, our unbeaten quiz team. We've taken part in two quizzes and won 100% of them. Brilliant. So far. <laughs> 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 Blowing one's own trumpet, as it were. Um, but anyway, if you'd like to come along to that, there's room for more. So you can go to demonplayers.net, look at the press the tickets button, and if you have seven pounds fifty, you can come to that quiz night and you'll get a hot supper too. Ah, oh, vegetarian option available. So please do that. Have some fun socially with your peers and colleagues and friends and people you've never met before. Why not? Okay, well I'm going to suggest that it's time for something else now. The most music. <laughs> 
Felixstowe Radio, 107.5 FM. Well, now we're going to venture an opinion that may not be 100% popular with our listeners. The opinion being that men are good for nothing. Well, I think that's a pretty fine uh, hmm. thing to say. And this is a song which I, I've has always been in my mind because I think you and you and Auntie Ethel used to sing yes. it. Well, my, my friend Ethel and I, we used to go out and sort of sing together. And um, we came across this one. It was a record that was done by uh, Marlene Dietrich and Rosemary Clooney. And the, the, the A side of it was is Too Old to Cut the Mustard. Mm. The other side was this one, Good for Nothing. But, um, gentlemen, don't despair, because it's all right when we get to the end of the song, as you'll see. Well, yes. Now, the thing about this song is I've always thought it must have come from something. It must have come no, from a musical, it, but no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't come it's from anything. It's just a standalone it's, song. It's, 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 yeah. it's, well, someone ought to have used it in a film or something. Mm. Especially with you know, Marlene Dietrich singing yeah. it. And uh, Rosemary Clooney, George's mum. Auntie. Auntie, is it? Mm. Oh, well, that shows how much I know. <laughs> anyway, so we'll hear that. Uh, good for nothing. Marlene Dietrich and Rosemary Clooney from 1956. I'm going to say 1956. Good for nothing. Men are good for nothing. I never saw a good one yet. Good for nothing. Men are good for nothing And if you love them Nothing's what you'll get He will swear he's seeking Your love forevermore And then he comes home Reeking of perfume you never wore You maybe want to shoot him But he isn't worth the shot And you can bet the other woman Has found out he's not so hot Good for nothing, men are good for nothing I never saw a good one yet Good for nothing, men are good for nothing And if you love them, nothing's what you'll get He says he'll surprise you with diamonds and with mink But the only things he buys you are a ringer and a sink He may be full of glamour at the opera in a box But he ain't so darn attractive when you wash him out his socks Good for nothing, men are good for nothing I never saw a good one yet Good for nothing, and if you love them, nothing's what you'll get. Their wily arts, their tender pleas, their fickle hearts, their knobby knees. Good for nothing, men are good for nothing. A girl who's smart will even be. Otherwise, who's going to get the lid off that jar? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, there you are. Another unreconstructed opinion for you there, ladies and gentlemen, from 1956. 
Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to this here thing next, the song of the vagabonds. What's all that well, about? This again is something from our Christmas concert that we used to do because mm. we used to have um, the choir would do things with the piano and then they could do something with the orchestra mm. and then sometimes we would do something with the band and this is one that we did with the Romford band and it's the song of the vagabonds mm. from the Vagabond King by uh, Rudolf Frimmel. Never heard of him. <laughs> And who's the singer here? Because it's very good. Dave, um, oh crumbs, I can't remember his second name. Hey, uh, Highland. Dave Highland. He was a policeman, actually. Mm. Mm. I remember him, but I don't remember him being this good a singer. Yes. So, uh, well done, Dave, if you're listening. Uh, he might be, actually. This is not beyond the, the bounds of possibility, bounds of possibility. But he might be listening, as mm. he's got you as a friend on YouTube. Uh, yes. Not YouTube, I mean mm. Facebook. Mm. Anywho, let's play that now, the Song of the Vagabonds. What year would this have been, do you think? Oh, crikey. 70 no, no, something. No, 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 it wasn't. It, I didn't take over that. Of, oh, crumbs. I can't remember now. Probably, something. Probably late 70s, early yeah. 80s. I was around about 1980. Mm. Anyway, here it is. Come on, you beggars of Paris town, you lousy rebel of low degree. You rebel of low degree. We spare. King Louis to keep his crown and save our city from Burgundy. Burgundy. You and I are good for nothing but to die and to die for liberty. Sons of toil and danger, will you serve a stranger and bow down to Burgundy? Sons of shame and sorrow, will you cheer to morrow for the crown of Burgundy? smashing dogs howling <laughs> yeah excellent good stuff oh it was yeah, great I I, very good we very had good. we had some lovely concerts we really I mean, did. that was i think that was probably the best choir experience that you've you've been in charge of well, just, yes. well it was wonderful i mean because it, we had good strong uh, every every voice had got large, good strong uh, you know crowd. good strong mm. uh, voices in it and the mm. sort of top c's my friend ethel that i sang with yes. she, she was the the she was a coloratura soprano mm. and her top yeah, c's even at the age of nearly 90 were mm. still there 
Yes, marvelous mm. stuff, marvelous stuff. Those are the days. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's great. It's a shame that uh, the the recording hasn't hasn't stood up that well. Well, that that actually was a cassette recording, mm. which I then put onto a um, piece of, of music and made it into an MP3 to send to you. Yeah. We might be able to improve that slightly mm. if we can get hold of it. It'd yes. be a shame to lose it. I think we've lost a lot of the dynamics out of it. But we can probably fix that with our clever software. Yes. <laughs> well, what's this next thing that's well, coming up? Well, this next thing. I mean, sometimes you put in music that you've written. Mm, yes, I do. Well, I have also written music. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of conned into writing music for a musical. This must be nearly 60 years ago now. And I finished up. I, I went along because I was told they got this music and they wanted somebody to write it down. When I got there, they got one melody. Mm. And that was all they got. So I ended up writing 21 songs for this musical. Mm. Unfortunately, none of that now still exists. Mm. Um, So I'm chosen one by my favourite contemporary composer, whose name happens to be Andy Kimber, because later Mm. on, when he he grew up and became a big, clever fellow, uh, we we wrote some shows together. What's this big business? And (laughs) this is is one from the show which we we wrote called The Magic Candle Shop. And it was a dance show, and this was the contemporary piece, and it's my absolute favourite piece of his music called Contempo. Mm, he's a bit of a smart ass, though, isn't he? He's a bit of a smart ass. The way he's called it Contempo, mm. which means with time. With time. And yet it's a contemporary, contemporary piece. piece. We know you're terribly clever. What a wordplay that is. <laughs> Marvellous. Whoever he is, he sounds like a great guy. Oh, he is a great guy. Freshly remastered for this performance because I had a horrible hiss on it before, but uh, hopefully not as bad now. Contempo by some bloke. <laughs>
round of applause for the composer. Well, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was that. I have found the uh, movement to the 5-4 movement oh, from Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 6. And let's see how that goes. So that, that's the that was what we were, were yes. looking for earlier. Yes. So, yes. See, on pom tiddly on pom. Uh, I, I didn't hear that in there. Oh, uh, did you not? You know, my ear is not tuned to the oh. the classical <laughs> sensibilities of that. Anyway, moving on. What's this about sheep then? Oh yes. Well, um, during the the war, to the end of the war, I was evacuated up to uh, Stretford near Manchester, oh. and every year. The, the school used to do Handel's Messiah. And this was my introduction, actually, to oratorios. To, to do a bit of Handel. Used to you? do a bit of Handel. And every class had a, a song, one of the arias from it, to sing. Mm. And this was the one that I sang. I suppose I must have been about uh, 11. Mm. Um, and this was my sort of introduction, really, to Handel and uh, oratorio. Imagining 11-year-old school children singing arias. Yes, but they, they were simplified. It was a school version of it. You could oh, get school versions. I mean, I, I did when I was teaching. Take all the difficult notes out. Well, I, and I did some with different keys and everything. Hmm. Uh, this isn't us singing, obviously, but this is a, a, a proper singist. A proper singist <laughs> by the name of Barbara Bonney, and which particular...? He shall feed his flock. Okay. Shall feed his flock like a shepherd. 
Sixto Radio, 107.5 FM. Well, Sunday Frog Box with Andy Kimber on Felixto Radio, 107.5 FM. I don't believe we're going to get any further correct answers nope. to this here quiz. Now tell us about uh, your your link with these gentlemen before we reveal who they are. Uh, well, we, we I was in Me and My Girl, mm-hmm. which actually ran for about eight years. I was in it for the, uh, not the first year, but I was in it for the, the final seven years. Yes. And um, I played uh, the Duchess um, with two of these gentlemen, the first gentleman and the last gentleman. Mm. And as I said, the middle gentleman I met while I was rehearsing. And the character was, uh, was playing opposite Sir, you, basically, Sir, Sir John well, Tremaine. Sir John Tremaine, yes. Mm. yes. But I mean, I, I, was the, um, I understudied the Duchess, mm. but I got on, I suppose, about 200 times to play it over the years. And then you went on tour with it as the Duchess. I, well, well I, I took over on tour because somebody broke their ankle. Oh, that's a shame. Mm. <laughs> you didn't push it down <laughs> My the heart was broken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, always, I was with it... Um, Yes, on, on tour for mm. about six months. Mm. Well, let's play the voices and tell, tell us who they are. Uh, I hope that uh, they'll have the same flavour. Certainly I'm looking forward to it because they were the most enjoyable films to make. And that was Bernard Breslau. From the Carry On films. Mm-hmm. And uh, You Need Feet, I seem to remember his song. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was a feet. lovely man, yeah. he really was. was yeah. And this chap? A self-deluding man, because he'd been a mere captain in the army during the war. And that was Frank Thornton, who introduced himself to me at the notice board. Mm. And he was talking about his character from Are You Being Served, Captain Peacock. That's it. Mm. And finally... He laboured through the night, and by dawn had got farther than he'd ever hoped. Well, that was the first Sir John I played with, and that was Patrick Cargill. Patrick Cargill. He was in the show, actually, for two years. Yes. Yes. And he, um, amongst other things, did a TV series called Father Father, Dear Dear Father. Father, yes. Okay, well, those gentlemen were all correctly identified by a Miss Alice Sparrow Hewitt. Surprise, surprise. With a little bit of guidance, because she did think uh, she'd get a little bit uh, puzzled because Nicholas Smith, who played uh, Sir John as well... Ah, but he played on tour. On tour, was also in Are You Being Served? Um, but you never knew Nicholas Smith. Well, I, I, I did actually meet him, no, because meet actually him. I went on the, on the second part of the tour, mm. but I didn't actually get on to play it. Ah, I see. Mm. Mm. Well, there we are. That was that. So, well done, Ali. Uh, we won't sing the song because, you know, we've tired of that. We've moved on from that. <laughs> but you can sit back and take the the pleasure of knowing that, once again, you've won it. Uh, probably even easier than usual because mum isn't taking part because she's sitting here <laughs> having set the contest. So, well done again for winning again and again and again and again. <laughs> Well, it's time now, uh, having spoken about that show, Me and My Girl, to play something from it. Mm. Now, I know that uh, you had a recording on tape of you singing. Yes, the first time I actually went on to play it. Because your sound chap would record it for the cast, Yes, he was very naughty. He wasn't supposed to, but he used to sit (laughs) at the back and record it. If if an understudy went on, Mm. um, he would um, record it so you'd have a a record of it. And all he wanted for it was was the biggest box of of sweeties that you could buy him. (laughs) Marvellous. Well, he sounds like an excellent fellow. I'm still in contact with him. Hmm. Mm. Marvellous. And uh, he he recorded you singing uh, uh, Song of Hereford, which is the Duchess's big number. It is the big number, yes. Unfortunately, we don't have all of it because you only had a small part of it on MP3. Yes. And I'll have to try and get the rest of it off of the tape later. Mm. 
But I have access to the Broadway cast recording of that. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to play you the beginning of the Broadway cast recording. Then I'm going to play you my mum singing it. And I would like you to determine, please, which is better. And after the after my mum's done her bit, I'm going to mix it back into the uh, to the Broadway one, so you can uh, so we can hear the rest of that. But uh, anyway, this is a Broadway singing. I don't like that. This, this is how that should have been done. The story of Hereford handed down Since William the Norman wore the crown The story of Hereford through the ages Tales of honour and glory on all its that's all we got, so back to the cast recording. Actually, can't listen to that. Uh, <laughs> having heard how it should be done properly, uh, just so much better your version, even though slightly out of time. Well, I think actually all of the uh, all of the ladies who played the Duchess were better than the one on Broadway. I mean, that was a bit it, pathetic. I think it got into better singers. The case of who you know, they probably got a name in, mm. you know. But uh, yeah, well done. And, and I think you know we should make sure that we don't lose that. Uh, that for posterity, because that was much better than, uh, Thank you. frankly, you, anyone you else's. Know, the biggest <laughs> compliment I was ever given in my life hmm. is when you came up to see me play the Duchess, mm-hmm. and you said, I forgot you were my mother. Well, try to forget. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I'd seen you acting before, but, um, yeah, it was only, like, a performance. You could see that there's my mum performing, but I saw this and I thought, I, I just... You were there. You were the character. So, Thank you. Uh, and uh, you know, slightly biased, but I think you were the best Duchess uh, that there was with that. So. Oh, Patrick Cargill used to speak kindly of me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he did. An excellent fellow. Good. Well, okay. Well, let's go. Uh, let's stick with the shows. Another show which is uh, dear to your heart, yes. I believe, was South Pacific. Yeah, I wasn't in this professionally, but in my amateur days, I played Nellie Forbush in South Pacific. And it's got a song in there which I think is one of the best songs that's ever been written. Mm-hmm. And it's sung by the leading man, and it's called This Nearly Was Mine. So who's the composer here? Uh, the composer here is uh, uh, there, it's um, Rogers and Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so uh, mm-hmm. Oscar Hammerstein III well, he, wrote he, the lyrics? He wrote the lyrics, and Richard and Rogers. Richard Rogers wrote this music. Yes. Now, the version I've picked is, is by Giorgio Tozzi. 
who I believe did the dub the vocal in for the movie, mm. but this isn't that version. This mm. is a version that he preferred to that version. Mm. Uh, where he, and uh, uh, his son also thought this was the one where he really nailed it. So, Giorgio Totsi, this nearly was mine. Uh, mm, okay, what's happened here is those pesky vagabonds have got in the way. They've come back in, um, and the reason is because I've put it down as W, and it isn't W. It's another letter. It's I. It's capital I, everyone. Oh. So forget that. Vagabonds have been swept under the table. Good, good. Along with, uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's my earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> He's still under there fighting with Barry. I don't want to disturb your thoughts. I don't want to disturb your mood. But this is Giorgio Totsi.
good. It's beautiful, well isn't it? Well done, Giorgio. Absolutely beautiful. Now, I've listened to various people trying to sing this, you know, professional singists mm. and, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the likes of your, of your Jose Guerreras mm. and what have you. But I think Giorgio oh, Tozzi has nailed that for all time. It's warmth there. It, mm. it happens because um, he, he thinks he's lost Delhi Fort Bush, mm. and that, that's where, where the song comes in yes okay yes the other probably more famous song would be some enchanted evening oh yes also that starts at the beginning yes. Yes. yes yes yeah okay well it's nearly time to go thank you very much for coming on the show what are we finishing with we're finishing i, I conducted a choir in arborough in in norfolk for many years and we packed up about three or four years ago mm. and one of the songs that we really loved doing it sort of became our theme song if you like is you raise me up all right, well, thank you very much. As I say, 85 years, well done. Perhaps you'll slow down and have a rest one day. <laughs> that day, ladies and gentlemen, has not yet come. That's my mum, Joyce Kimber. And so this is the Arbor Singers. You raise me up.
Don't drink and drive.